This is Christian Questions. Terry Brooks once said, Hurt leads to bitterness, bitterness to anger. Travel too far that road, and the way is lost. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I am Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And we're glad you've chosen to spend some time with us this morning. And Jonathan, what is it for today? What's up? What's happening? What is our topic? This is, this is a very, very big topic. It is, Rick. And our question is, is bitterness ruining your life? And our theme text is found in Acts chapter 8, verses 22 and 23. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours. I pray the Lord that, if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gull of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. Boy, that just does not sound good at all. (laughs) And and look, folks, we've all had experiences, real-life experiences, that have triggered a bitter reaction in our hearts. Now, this can actually be a very natural reaction. As we look at the harsh experiences of some... Others, we see go through difficult things, we often say things like, well, look, who can blame them? Or, or I'd feel the same way if that happened to me. The big question for today is simple. Once we go through the initial bitter reaction in any experience, where do we go from there? All right, where do That's we go the from question. there? That's right. Does bitterness move in and take over? Or do we leave it behind? So, folks, stay with us this morning as we look bitterness square in the eye and figure out, well, what do we do with this thing? <laughs> and, and, and Jonathan, this is, this is a, a, a big subject, and this morning's program is going to be a little bit different from a couple of standpoints. You know, sometimes we, we, we talk about uh, biblical characters, and we, and we like to tell stories. Yes, we do. This morning is a storytelling program. We're going to be focusing on actually two stories, two main stories. One story is very, very old, Old Testament, time of King David. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the other story is going to be something very, very current and very new. Okay, and to tell that other story throughout the program, we actually have a special guest with us, not with us, uh, actually calling into the studio, uh, Joy Thompson. Uh, Joy, are you there? I'm here. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm very fine on this morning when it is five oh nine a.m. <laughs> so, where are you calling from? From Montana. So you're way out in Montana, and how is it that we know you? This is my favorite part. How do well, we know you? Well, I happen to be related to you. <laughs> how so? I'm your older sister, and I also share our faith in God and Christ and their wonderful purpose for mankind. So she, she knows how she said she's my older sister. That I, I heard that. She always that. reminds me that she's my <laughs> older sister. <laughs> so, Joy, you're going to be uh, telling a story, uh, an experience from your life that it was a very, very big and dramatic experience in your life uh, relating to bitterness, correct? 
Yes, I am looking forward to that. Okay, so we're going to get to you and your story very, very shortly. Uh, so stay with us. And folks, you want to hear this thing unfold. It, I'm telling you, you want to hear this thing unfold. So, Jonathan, let's get started. What is bitterness? A lingering, deep-seated resentment over something someone has done to you in your past. Someone did something to you that hurt you deeply, messed up your life, or made you mad, and you can't get past it. Now, that's an interesting definition. That's not a, a clinical definition. I actually got that from a soundbite um, uh, on bitterness that we used several years ago in another Christian Questions program. So well, I think it, it really describes it. Well, it does. So this wasn't; those weren't my words or your words. There no. was somebody else's who really kind of understood bitterness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so it, it's a deep-seated resentment over something that someone has done to you in your past. We'll leave it at that. Now, bitterness can come to us for a lot of different reasons, and let's just lay a little bit of groundwork before we get into the stories. It can come to us as a result of a tragic loss. Jeremiah thirty-one fifteen. Thus saith the Lord: A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel, weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. So you have tragedy being spoken of in this Jeremiah scripture. And as a result, there's this bitter weeping and this bitter feeling of loss. And, and look, nobody's going to look at you and say, oh, well, you know, suck it up, get over it. That, no. That's a hard, hard thing. So bitterness is a very natural part of our lives. The question is, what role do we allow it to play as our life goes on? Okay, so bitterness can come to us as a result of tragic loss. Now, as we look into the mechanics of bitterness, we want to feature uh, the story of a little-known individual in the life of King David, and his name is Ahithophel. Quite a name. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, I had to write it out phonetically. So I could... (laughs) Figure out how to pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one thing about, especially the Old Testament names. Oh, there are, are some names here are that are just getting the me. Yeah, so you're going to have fun with that. Oh, I am. So this man, uh, we, we're going to examine the life of Ahithophel and see just how much bitterness would eventually cost him. So let's lay a little bit of groundwork uh, with that story. This is in the time of King David, so this is the old story. And then we're going to start to get to Joy's story. And it's amazing how the two stories are going to, in a lot of ways, parallel. Interesting. All right, so let's start with First Chronicles 27, 32 to 34. Jonathan, David's uncle, was a counselor. I didn't know you were his uncle. <laughs> Being a man of understanding and a, and a scribe, Jehel attended the king's son. Ahithophel was the king's counselor, and Hashiah was the king's friend. After Ahithophel came, Jehoadad, uh, jo- Joab was commander of the king's army. Okay, so good. <laughs> a lot of names in there. <laughs> I, I wish we had a little webcam in here just no, so you could see no. Jonathan's face as he's reading these <laughs> names going, what? But here's the thing. Ahithophel was the king's counselor. Well, that's good to know. All right. <laughs> he was, and he was, the, uh, he was the king's counselor, and he's named alongside of uh, Hushai, who is called the king's friend. Which, and this will become significant later in the story, because we're going to see those two names ver- uh, close together again much later in the story. But you, here we have, as, as we laid out, out the, the groundwork, um, Ahithophel is talked about as the king's counselor. Now, it says that Jonathan, David's uncle, was a counselor, 
being a man of understanding, but Ahithophel is, no, is noted as the king's counselor. So how good of a counselor was Ahithophel? And much later in the story, we're going to just partially quote a scripture that we're going to come back to later on in the story, but it describes the advice and the counsel of Ahithophel in 2 Samuel 16.23. The advice of Ahithophel, which he gave in those days, was, If one inquired of the word of God, so was all the advice of Ahithophel regarded by David. So his advice, Jonathan, was so good. It was a high standard. He just looked up to this wisdom. It's like you're inquiring of the word of God when you're inquiring wow. of Ahithophel. What should I do in, in my kingdom? How should I rule my kingdom? What? David trusted him. Exactly. David trusted him deeply and his wisdom and counsel proved sure. And see, that's where we start with Ahithophel and David. The question is, what's going to happen? So, keep that thought in mind as, as, as to the backdrop of Ahithophel and David. Ahithophel is the king's counselor. He's older than David. And he is very wise and has proven himself to be very, very uh, worthy. All right, now, now, Joy, let's go to your story. Lay out some of the groundwork for us about how this story that's going to involve the challenge of bitterness, how, how it all began to unfold, and, 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 and the players, I guess, if you will. Yes, well, we, we have a family business here in Montana, and we had an experience that really presented an, a huge opportunity to have bitterness. Um, <clears throat> and I relate to David and his relationship to Ahithophel. We had a relationship with an accountant. He was our accountant for uh, 12 years or so, and he was extremely capable. We really respected his advice. I developed a relationship with him. You know, I would be able to ask questions, and we talked about our kids, um, lots of business questions, complexities of business, and he was very, very, um, he had a lot of ability, and I had no reason to doubt his integrity. Okay, now, just, just a couple of, we don't want to get into details because, you know, th th those are not necessary. But you say you had a family business. Now, a lot of times people picture a family business as you and your husband and, you know, you're, you're working. Your business is a little bigger than that, right? Yes. Uh, we currently have 48 full-time employees, including four of us family members. Okay, so this is not just a little, you know, business that you run out of your garage. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. All right. And, and see, that's important because you have a well-established business where you employ quite a few people, and your, uh, the, the story of your experience is going to revolve around your relationship with your trusted accountant. Now, okay, yeah. so, so we're going to hang on to that. Jonathan, let's go back now to the story of Ahithophel. See, now at a pivotal point during King David's reign, a lot of things would begin to change. David was losing his godly edge. He was getting way too comfortable as king. You know, that's one of the reasons that the God said Israel shouldn't have a king, because he, he foresaw these kinds of things happening. Mm -hmm. And David actually had sent his men out to war without leading them. That's unusual for him. That's a sure sign of losing your godly edge, okay, for a king in those days. It was then that David's own base nature took hold of him, and everybody is familiar with this part of David's life, Second Samuel 11.3. David sent someone to inquire about the woman. It was reported, this is Bathsheba, daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So everybody knows what happens with Bathsheba, right? Yep. Okay, so David sees her, he lusts after her, he finds out who she is, and she is the wife of Uriah the Hittite. He is one of David's 
mighty warriors. That's right. David uh, takes Bathsheba and essentially goes and has Uriah killed. Yep. Because he wants her, she gets pregnant, and now he's got to cover it up. And, and in the story, Uriah won't, you know, he calls Uriah back from battle, remember? And, yes. and he says, okay, you know, give me a report. Okay, now go home to your wife. And Uriah wouldn't go home to his wife because his, the men were out in battle. Right, so he was dedicated, loyal. Which is a scathing indictment of David at that point because... Yes. <laughs> yeah. David is doing exactly the opposite. So you have this, this this contradiction. So because Uriah will never go back to his own home, David and David even gets him drunk to try to get him home, go home, and he still won't. That's right. So David decides I've got to get I've got to get rid of Uriah, and so he basically uh, sends a message that when you go into the heat of battle, withdraw and leave Uriah there and let the enemy kill him. So, so this is what happens, and and okay, well, what does this have to do with this trusted counselor Ahithophel? Well, it's there's a very interesting connection here, and let's take a look at that connection in Second Samuel twenty three verse thirty four. Uh, Elam, son of Ahithophel the Gilonite. Okay, Eliam is the son of Ahithophel the Gileadite. It's giving a little bit of a, a um, history of, of a history, mm-hmm. a, a genealogy. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, Eliam, remember, is the father of Bathsheba. Mm. So therefore, Ahithophel is Bathsheba's grandfather. Ooh, okay. Uh, and this is the wise counselor of David. This is the so Uh-oh. this most Trouble. most wise counselor of David. Uh, his granddaughter is Bathsheba, who David takes unlawfully as his wife. Has her husband killed? And so now we can see the unfolding roots of bitterness begin to develop because look this wise counselor knows what's happening in the life of david yes he is his most trusted counselor he's the one who who david is continually talking to about everything and so he sees his own granddaughter being taken unfair advantage of by king david now look if you've ever had a relative of yours taken unfair advantage of you know, you don't like it. Oh no, you don't like. It. Doesn't that matter gets who you, you are. Mad. That's right. It and, and justifiably so. So the question is, how does this all unfold? What is going to happen? Where does bitterness come into play? And how do we learn from it? This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest Joy. Our subject is bitterness ruining your life. How do we combat bitterness? Who is it really hurting anyway? And what damaging effects does it have? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, Joy Thompson, Rick's sister from Montana. My older sister. Oh, that's right. (laughs) And our subject this morning, Is Bitterness Ruining Your Life? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, we've been doing a lot of laying of groundwork. We're, we're laying the groundwork for the story of Ahithophel, King David's greatest counselor. 
And there is reason for, for Ahithophel to have a, a level of bitterness because Bathsheba, whom David took... Uh, Which was his granddaughter. Was his granddaughter. And he, David took unfair advantage of her, had her husband killed. I mean, so, so you can see how a grandfather... She became pregnant. That's right. You can see how a grandfather would be very upset mm-hmm. uh, if that happened to your, your grandchild. Uh, we also have Joy Thompson on the line, my, my sister, and she has an experience... Strangely enough, with a trusted counselor in a family business that we're going to get back to her story a little bit later. And you can, well, as we unfold the story, again, you're going to see how the two things parallel dramatically. So let's let's lay a little bit more history out. Once once David had his sin revealed by the prophet Nathan, remember that? You know, Nathan comes to him. Oh, yes. And we can see a whole other set of events begin to unfold that certainly lead to the bitter, that could have led to bitterness on the part of David. First of all, let's just quickly go over the revealing of David's sin to him through the prophet Nathan. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife, and you have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. So he's Nathan is really nailing down uh, David. He's, he's saying, you killed Uriah with the sword. Now, David didn't have the sword in his hand. No. But he arranged for Uriah he to be killed. He gave the commandment. He did, exactly. Go ahead. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me, and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. So now, Nathan's prophecy begins by saying, you're always now going to end up being a man of war. Here's the punishment right. Here's for you. part of the punishment, and now, there, but wait, there's more. Oh, there is, yes. okay. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you from your own household. I will even take your wives before your eyes and give them to your companion, and he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. So there is a very specific kind of fulfillment to this prophecy, and basically Nathan is telling David that the, the sin that you committed in secret, I'm going to arrange for that same kind of sin to be committed against you in, in public. I mean, that's, that's a scathing indictment of what David did. It is. And indeed, you did it secretly, but I will do this before all of Israel and under the sun. So, here's the question now. Does David give in to bitterness and shame now that his sin is before him? Does he, does he you know, make excuses? Does he get all, all, all frustrated on the inside? What is, what is David's reaction? And this is, this is interesting because this is a, the beginning of our lesson on dealing with bitterness. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord has also taken away your sin. You shall not die. So the interesting thing is, David's reaction is not that, Well, I didn't mean it, or I was overtaken in a moment, uh, you know, or, you know, the sun was shining in my eyes. There was none of that. No, he admitted it. He came out and flat out admitted, I have sinned against the Lord. And, And Nathan said to him, You know, the Lord knows your heart. You're going to suffer consequences. But he'll forgive you for your mistake. So that brings us to our first point on how to combat bitterness. There are several ingredients that need to go into our combating of bitterness. The first ingredient is Ephesians 4.23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So the first ingredient is to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In other words, you have a choice as to what mind you're going to use. And use the spirit of God. Right. That's the mind you yes. want to use. And Joy, you had mentioned that um, you wanted to, you had something, something on that particular ingredient. Yeah, this whole idea of um, being renewed in the spirit of your mind, I think one of the first steps is emptying our heart of the negative thoughts and the feelings that those thoughts create. And you don't keep them in, but you need to pour them out. And it reminds me of Psalm 62, 8. It says, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. We can't deny what we're feeling. We have to pour it out before God and... There can be no dealing with bitterness if we don't take that first step of admitting what we're really feeling and bringing it to God. All right, and uh, as you unfold your story, which you haven't even started yet, <laughs> uh, that becomes very, very evident. That there's this, so, so there's this challenge of how do you deal with the bitterness aspect in, in, in living. And, and so what, what Joy is saying is that you've got to empty out your heart first to make room for filling it with something different. Oh, that makes so much sense. And, and, and it's such an important part of, of the process. So when bitterness festers over time, it only needs an excuse to blossom in its most ugly form. And that's what can happen when we allow bitterness to just, to, to not address it. Now, I, we can imagine... Uh, well, actually, let's read the scripture, and then I'll, then I'll make the comment. Second Samuel fifteen twelve. And now we want to remember Absalom is David's son. Is that right? Right. Now, okay. and, and this is also several years later. Okay. Okay, right. so what happened, I'm glad you brought that up. What happened is Bathsheba uh, ended up pregnant by David. That's right. She ended up losing that child. That's right. She ends up yes. becoming queen, and now you have Absalom um, is, 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 is another son of David who has grown up. And um, is is kind of a not kind of a very rebellious young man. Mm-hmm. Here's what happens in Second Samuel fifteen twelve. While Absalom was offering the sacrifices, he sent for uh, Ahithophel. Ahithophel, thank you, <laughs> David's counselor from his city Gilhal. The conspiracy grew in strength, and the people with Absalom kept increasing. So what's happening is Absalom is involved in a conspiracy against his father David to take his throne. That's what's happening. And he's drawing people to him. Right. And and guess who's there offering sacrifices uh, um, when... when, uh, with um, or, or while Absalom is offering sacrifices, Ahithophel was there. Ahithophel is there, the advisor. with him. Mm. So you're seeing Ahithophel looking like he is walking away from the king toward a treasonous relationship with the king's son to take the throne. Ooh. Now, why would he do that? Well, his granddaughter um, David took um, unlawfully. So he has a reason to want to get back at David. And see, and that's the key here. He's got this, this, this concept of wanting to get back at him. I want to get back at him. And so now he is teaming up with David's son Absalom to, uh, in, a, in a treasonous uh, situation. Jonathan, let's take a moment and just look at, we're going to look at bitterness from a more of a medical standpoint. We're going to listen to Bill Crawford, PhD, for a moment here. Talk about chemicals in your head and bitterness. Let's listen. comes from a quote from that great philosopher Anonymous that says, bitterness does more harm 
to the vessel in which it is stored than the vessel on which it is poured. I like that because I think it speaks to the experience of being bitter, holding on to bitterness. We are thinking about someone else, but that someone else is really not experiencing the harm. We are. We're actually producing stress-related chemicals, adrenaline, noradrenaline, cortisol, that are throwing us into a fight-or-flight response. But since that person isn't here, then fighting or fleeing really isn't an option, and therefore we find ourselves just dumping more chemicals. And that's not good. And so those chemicals are having an adverse effect in your own brain. So it's a chemical reaction. Bitterness triggers a chemical reaction in your brain, which is not a good thing. It'll it'll de- deteriorate your mind, your thinking. Right. It harms you. It, because it, it, it engages the fight or flight uh, uh, perspective. And if you don't have to fight someone because they're not there or you have, don't have to run away from someone because they're not there, the, the only place they are is in your head. Oh, my. So you're fighting and fli- or, or flighting against yourself is, is really what it boils down to. Folks, listen, if you have a thought. We're talking about bitterness and, and, and the, the havoc it can wreak in our lives. We'd love to hear from you. 866-985-4255. Toll free. 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 and that means we're on right now. And the conversation continues next hour and all through the week at ChristianQuestions.com. We're live Sunday mornings on demand with tons of topics to talk about featured in our audio archive, CQ Rewind, Facebook, and our blog. Only at ChristianQuestions.com. All right, let's get back to this bitterness thing, and then in a moment we're going to get back to Joy's story and see where the bitterness can develop there. Bitterness can develop because we forsake God's ways. It can enter because we have tragedy, and that's what happened to Ahithophel. But it can be developed because we forsake God's ways. Bitterness knocks on everybody's door. We each decide whether or not to answer it. Your wickedness will punish you, and your apostasies will convict you. No one see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God. The fear of me is not in you, says the Lord of hosts. So your wickedness is what ends up punishing you. It develops because we forsake God's ways. Now David, there's this conspiracy against him. King David uh, is now running for his life at the hands of his, of his own son Absalom's men. And we see that in 2 Samuel 15, 30-37. We're going to break that into pieces. But David went up. The ascent of Mount of Olives, weeping as he went, with his head covered and walking barefoot. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up, weeping as they went. David was told that Ahithophel was among the conspirators of Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. So David is told that his very, very chiefest of all counselors is with his enemy, who is his son. And you notice that David doesn't pray for his enemy, his son, and all of their men to be destroyed? Yeah. He, he That's just, interesting. He just prays that Ahithophel's counsel would be turned to foolishness. Okay? So there's an interesting reaction on the part of David that's not showing bitterness. Right. Okay, now, all of that in mind. Joy, let's go back to your story. You started out by saying you have a family business, you've got about 48 employees, you have a, 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 an accountant that you've had for 10 or 12 years, very trusted counselor in business. What happens next? Yes, well, I also had a realization come upon me. Um, I was enjoying Christmas with my family there where you are in Connecticut. In fact, I think I was at your house, and I got a call, a phone call from a Secret Service agent, and he (laughs) informed me (laughs) that our accountant had fraudulently used uh, somewhere around $350,000 in one of our equipment accounts, 
And again, I relate to David's experience because this was unexpected, it was sudden, and I was completely startled because of my past experience with this accountant. So what happens is you you and, and yeah you're at you're at my house uh, and and we're sitting around and you get this phone call and you're saying like who's on the phone what <laughs> I remember that and 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 so it was an, a complete shock to you yeah it became a kind of an interesting thing to be on the first name basis with a secret service agent <laughs> <laughs> and and so that secret service agent ended up being a continual contact of yours for quite some time afterwards yeah. Uh, because there, there was an investigation, ongoing investigation and all of that? Yes, yes. It, it was an unfolding. It took quite a long time to figure everything out and put everything together. And so the, the accusation was that this accountant of yours embezzled about $350,000 from your family business. Yes. Um, how do you feel about that, just like when it happens? <laughs> well, like I said, it was shocking, and it was... Uh, it was just an intense um, experience. It, it took a long time to grapple with it, um, and we had lots of discussions, and there were lots of prayers, and again, pouring my heart out before God uh, with my feelings of resentment and anger and confusion, and there are lots of feelings, let me tell you, involved <laughs> in this whole issue. And, and I think, Jonathan, that's the whole point of this, is there are all of these feelings that come up, and they're legitimate feelings. They are. You know, you're angry. The guy stole. You what? have a right to be angry. Of course you do. And, and the, the problem is that bitterness grows out of that anger, and so you've got to somehow deal with that. So, so, so Jonathan, let's just finish this scripture as we wrap up this particular segment. When David came to the summit where God was worshipped, Hushai, the archite, came to him and with his coat torn and earth on his head. So his coat torn, you know, it, it's, it's, the, it, it's a symbol of, of um, grieving, of mourning is, is what's happening. And it's interesting, David is at, at the summit uh, of the Mount of Olives. And what he's doing here is he's running away, running for his life. He's barefoot, actually. Because he didn't have time to leave, you know, didn't have time to gather stuff. He didn't pack? Right, no, didn't pack for a trip. (laughs) Run. This was not a vacation, this was run for your life. And it may very well have been here at this point that David, King David, wrote the third psalm. Because it it talks about being pursued by his enemies. And that's, uh, folks, you want to go to uh, Seek Your Rewind, the um, full edition, sign up for that uh, at ChristianQuestions.com because we'll have that third psalm for you in its entirety in the bonus material. So, So David is running away, but he's not showing bitterness. And in Joy's experience, she's just been informed that their company's been embezzled for $350,000, and you're mad, okay? It's legitimate to be mad. It's legitimate to, to be angry. But what do you do with it? How do you handle it? How do you find perspective? This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, Joy Thompson. And our subject is, Is Bitterness Ruining Your Life? Coming up, how did Joy and Ben and the newfound charges affect their lives? How hard is it not to be bitter? A trusted friend. How would you feel? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, Joy Thompson. 
And our subject this morning is bitterness ruining your life. To be a part of our program, call toll free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, we are in the middle of two stories that really have, that wrap around the concept, the idea of bitterness. The first story is King David with his trusted counselor Ahithophel, who David did something that hurt Ahithophel. He, he unlawfully took Ahithophel's granddaughter, Bathsheba, uh, to be his own wife and had her husband killed. I mean, it was awful. It was. Ahithophel had a right to be angry. But what he ended up doing is he ended up abandoning David and going with Absalom, who is David's other uh, son, who's looking to take the throne. Right. So Ahithophel Forcefully. Right, has become treasonous. <laughs> the other story is the story Joy uh, on the line with us from uh, Montana, my sister, my older sister. <laughs> um, in their company, they were they experienced this, a similar thing where their their accountant of 10 or 12 years uh, ended up embezzling 350,000 or so dollars from their company. Uh, Joy, while she's out here in Connecticut visiting with us over Christmas holiday, uh, gets a phone call from the Secret Service saying, hey, here's what's happening. We're doing this ongoing investigation. And, uh, you know, so, and, and she's now beginning to grapple with the frustration and the anger of, we have been right under our noses. We have been defrauded in a big, big way. Mm. So those are the two stories we're looking at. Now, David, remember, had just run away from Absalom. He's on the Mount of Olives, and his trusted friend Hushai had come to him in, in, a, in a mourning state. And, and here's what happens in the midst of David's great sorrow. Because, I mean, it's his son. He loves his son, and his son is, 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 out, is, is betraying him. Here's what David says to Hushai. David said to him, If you go on with me, you will be a burden to me. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as I have been your father's servant in times past, so now I will be your servant, then you will defeat for me the counsel of Ahithophel. So Hushai did um, as David asked. So what ends up happening is Hushai is goes to uh, uh, is going to go to Absalom's camp and basically show tell Absalom, hey, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. And David says, do that for me, and then maybe you can defeat the council of Ahithophel, which is very wise. Right, and he's afraid of that council because Ahithophel's council has always been right. Mm-hmm. So David is he fears that council, but he also is taking care of the duties of protecting the, the kingship that he's been given. Yes. So he's in great sorrow. There's great turmoil, and he's trying desperately to do the right kinds of things here. After he had several years before done some very, very, very wrong things. So now we look at David under attack by his own son, betrayed by his own people, and especially by his most trusted counselor. So let's take another look a little bit further in David's life, and then we're going to go back to Joy's story. Second Samuel, it sounds like Toy Story, but not really. <laughs> Joy's story. <laughs> this is much more difficult than Toy Story, I'll yes. tell you that. Second Samuel 16, 5-14. When King David came to Bahurim, Behold, there came out from there a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimi. He came out cursing continually as he came. He threw stones at David 
and at all the servants of the king David. And all the people and all the mighty men were at his right hand and at his left. So, so, so David is going, and then there's another man from Israel, and it's interesting, he's from the house of Saul. So he was related to the older king, King right. Saul. Now, David didn't take the throne from Saul. No. Uh, God gave him. Right, but Saul was thrown out of the th- off of the throne. That's right. So if this guy is from the house of Saul, you can see where he could be bitter against David. Yes. Because he sees David as a usurper. In this case, David wasn't guilty of anything. Right. It was Saul who had been guilty, but you can see that the bitterness being of the house of Saul. This man is out, and he's shouting insults and throwing stones at David. So what happens? Thus Shimei said when he cursed, Get out, get out, you man of bloodshed and worthless fellow. The Lord has returned upon you all the bloodshed of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned, and the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. And behold, you are taken in your own evil, for you are a man of bloodshed. So he's angry, he's bitter at King David, and he's saying, see, your kingdom is in the hands of Absalom, you traitor, because you took the kingdom from Saul. Yeah. And Jonathan, so there's bitterness like springing everywhere. up everywhere. Yeah. And, and folks, the lesson is, we all have experiences that bring us to bitterness. We all have experiences. If you have a thought, you'd like to share one of those experiences or, or some observations on bitterness, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And we want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page and our blog. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. All right, so you've got this other bitter man, and it's all, it's all unraveling around David. Now, Joy, let's go back to your story. Uh, you you get this call from the Secret Service agent while you're away uh, visiting our house. <laughs> Enjoying Christmas. Enjoying yeah. Christmas. So so what happens? What's the impact of all of this? Well, you know, the impact showed up over time. Uh, we had we were trying to get money from this equipment account for our loader. We had a piece of equipment that burned up um, during part of the earlier part of the winter, and we had finally. Uh, gotten some of the money we thought. Um, however, uh, it ended up that this account was um, seized and there was no money available. And the impact just kept getting more intense because this was at a time a couple years ago when the economy had hit us pretty hard and we were having, we were not in the best financial condition. So you know, it's like David, here's another thing for David to deal with. Here's Shimei, and here he's cursing him. And it just seems like our experiences, uh, you know, thing after thing kept happening. And uh, the impact of not having this money available became more of an issue and created, again, more confusion, uh, feeling of betrayal. And as these things kept happening, it's like having to deal again and keep dealing with, you know, I'm angry, I'm upset, and we need this money, and okay, Lord, help us know what to do. Help direct our thoughts and our feelings in this experience. So, even the money that hadn't been taken, you still couldn't get because the Secret Service froze the account. Yes, nothing was available. <laughs> so, you know, you, you see the classic situation where you've got fraud going on, and then the victim of the fraud ends up in even in a worse situation. And again, it's reason to be mad. It's reason to be upset. It's reason to, to, to you know, to grit your teeth and, and to, to just, you know, you want to strangle, you know, <laughs> you get the, get the, so how do you deal with it? How do you process your way through those things? And so, 
we're, we're looking at, and folks look if we're not in your area for the next hour go to christianquestions.com click listen live you have to hear how the story ends it had it's a, you just got to hear it because <laughs> it, gives, it it gives you a great sense in learning how to deal with bitterness uh, christianquestions.com click listen live for the second hour you don't want to miss it so how would we react? You know, Joy is talking about dealing with those things. Let's look at the way King David reacts because he's got this guy out in public shouting insults and throwing stones at him and cursing at him, saying, oh, you know, you usurper of King Saul's throne, blah, 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 ha, 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 the, the, the kingdom's going to Absalom. What, what happens? Well, don't forget now, this is uh, the king's like right-hand man, one of his tough soldiers, this Abishai. Here we go. Then Abishai said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Let me go over now and cut off his head. <laughs> so basically saying, I could, I could take care of this for yeah, you no really problem. simple, and I will do it, and I will do it gladly. I mean, so, so I mean, that's pretty... But, so, but what does David say? But the king said, what have I to do with you, O sons of Zerai? It, if he curses, and the Lord has told him, curse David, then who shall say, why have you done so? So basically he's saying, look... Why would I do that? Maybe the Lord sent him to remind me of the whole situation. Right. And there's a great humility there. That's powerful. It is. It is. And, and, and let's look at, at David's next part of his reaction. Perhaps the Lord will look on my affliction and return good to me instead of his cursing this day. So David and his men went on their way, and Shemaiah went along on the hillside parallel with him, and as he went, he cursed and cast stones and threw dust at him. So, so basically, David is saying, maybe the Lord will look on my afflictions and, and you know, change, change the, the direction of all these things. So, Rick, this is a powerful thought, because when we take experiences and have the faith that it went through God's permission and it went through his unfailing love to even touch us, it totally cha- it can really help to transform how we're looking at that experience. So, so what you said there was, was really important. It, when we have an experience and we have the faith that it went through God's permission. Now, truthfully, when you were dealing with the bitterness aspect of this experience, were you thinking that early on? Did it take you a long time to get to that point? What, what's up with, with putting that in perspective? Well, it was like a seesaw. Um, I would have a, a wave of intense feeling, you know, of anger and just complete frustration. And, and I would think in my head, okay, I, some way God has permitted this. Some way there's something good to come out of this. And it was, but it was back and forth. It wasn't like it was a easy street on good attitude. <laughs> <laughs> Good attitude is never an easy street. And that brings us to the second ingredient in dealing with bitterness, bitterness, Jonathan. What is that? Dwell only in truth. It is not enough to merely abstain from lying. We must be sure to proactively speak the truth as well. And Ephesians 4.25 goes with that. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And Joy, you had uh, some thoughts on that? Yeah, um, speaking the truth, to put away lying and to speak the truth, again, there's a replacement that has to take place. You have to replace negative thoughts with God's perspective and God's truth. And I really love Second Corinthians 10.5. It talks about casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought to the obedience of Christ. So... There, there is a replacement factor, but it has to be a conscious replacement factor. And folks, when we are dealing with bitterness, 
We have to consciously see bitterness comes in all by its lonesome self. <laughs> it's, it's not necessarily. You don't have to work at it. <laughs> right, right. You don't even have to send it an invitation. You don't. Ask, you don't ask for an RSVP. It just shows up, and it and it shows up with all of its bags, and because it wants to stay, and if we don't proactively do something different, we have a new house uh, house guest. A new brain guest, I guess is what, and and it's not a good one. So and it takes up lots of room. <laughs> <laughs> so sort of, so it sort of, it sort of spreads out. It sort of uh, becomes part of the furniture, becomes part of the way you live. So we have to take very significant steps to take that bitterness, which is justified in its in its uh, initial response. It's you know look you know you look at somebody who steals three hundred and fifty thousand dollars from your company yeah you feel bitter you don't say oh well he must have needed the money <laughs> you don't do that you, you got say, that right Rick <laughs> <laughs> see I knew that you, and, and you know with, with King David with Ahithophel you don't say oh well you know I know I did something bad in the past even though David's sin was forgiven even though David's sin was publicly confessed to everyone even though David went through misery as a result of it. You know, it wasn't that, well, Ahithophel was justified in all of this. He had an obligation, and he would not live up to it because the bitterness grabbed the wise mind of Ahithophel. Remember, he was a wise, wise man, and it took him and put him in a position of being angry and bitter and treasonous. So, folks, again, if we're not on in your area in the next hour, go to ChristianQuestions.com, click Listen Live. Stay with us for the continuing story of Ahithophel to see what happens to him and my sister Joy to see what happens to her. Both are stories of bitterness. One is going to end with sadness. The other is going to end in a dramatic victory. You don't want to miss it. So, until next hour, for Jonathan and Rick and our special guest Joy, uh, this is Christian Questions. We're talking about bitterness, and the question is, is bitterness ruining your life? What are you doing about it? We'll be back soon, but till then, think about it. is Christian Questions. Alana Stewart once said, Bitterness and resentment only hurt one person, and it's not the person we're resenting. It's us. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, we have got one of those topics that affects everybody's life probably every day of our lives. Yes, we do, Rick. And our question is, is bitterness ruining your life? And our theme text is found in Acts chapter 8, verses 22 and 23. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray the Lord that, if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. 
for I see that you are in the gull of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. So we're talking about bitterness. We're talking about how it works in our lives and how we need to rein it in and, and, and put, put things in perspective. Uh, as we go through this, Jonathan, we're looking at two stories. They're looking at the story of Ahithophel, who was King David's greatest counselor. Yes, he was. He was also the grandfather of Bathsheba. Which he is mad. He's mad at what David did to Bathsheba, and yep. rightfully so. That's right. However, he allowed that anger to turn into bitterness and fester over time. And then when Absalom, later in life, David's, uh, son. David's own son, rebels against King David and looks to take his throne and take over Israel, Ahithophel, King David's greatest, most trusted, wisest counselor, jumps ship and goes with Absalom. Goes to the other side. Right. Because he's, he's angry at David. He's, he's angry and he's bitter. And so that's the biblical story. And we've also got another story we're telling uh, this morning. We have my sister. Uh, Joy- Older sister. My- <laughs> 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 All right, already. My older sister, Joy Thompson. Joy, you still with us? I'm still here, Rick. Okay, that's good. And she is from Montana. And Joy, give a very quick recap of the story, and it's got to be quick, but of the st- your story thus far. Yes, well, we had an accountant that uh, we had trusted for uh, 12 years or so, and he gave great advice. He was a He was a very big help to our business, and I got a call from a secret service agent on Christmas when I was visiting my family, which was you (laughs) and my family in Connecticut, and uh, found out that he had fraudulently used uh, about $350,000 of our uh, money that was set aside for equipment. Um, So the story unfolds of uh, our confusion, our anger, um, lots of feelings and grappling with the situation feelings of betrayal and uh, and you know how we dealt with it and it was an ongoing experience for a long time there was an ongoing investigation the, the, the account was frozen then you couldn't even have any of the rest of the money that was in the account so it was a real mess and a real cause for anger I mean it really is a cause for anger when somebody you trust uh, embezzles yes it was definitely intense okay experience. All right, so we're going to come back to your story in a moment. Let's go back to the story of King David now. Um, again, he is being, uh, um, his, his throne is at risk at the hands of his own son Absalom. And so now here Absalom is making a move uh, against David to try to wipe him out once and for all. We're in Second Samuel 16. Now Absalom and all the Israelites came to Jerusalem. Ahithophel was with him. And Hushai, the archite, David's friend, came to Absalom. Hushai said to him, Absalom, Live long, um, long live the king, long live the king. Absalom said, Hushai, is this your loyalty to your friend? Who do you, who, who did you not Why? go? Why? Oh, thank you. Why did you not go with your friend? Because remember, Hushai was one of David's very best friends. That's right. Hushai was to Absalom, no, but the one whom the Lord and this people and all the Israelites have chosen, his I will be, and I will be... With him, and I will remain. Moreover, whom shall I serve? Should it not be his son? Just as I have served your father, so I will serve you. So Hushai, now remember, King David sent Hushai to Absalom's camp to say to, to, to getting good with Absalom. He said because he was so afraid of the counsel of Ahithophel. He said that maybe you can thwart Ahithophel's counsel. Right, because it's so good. It's so good, and I know that if Ahithophel is giving giving counsel to him, I'm pretty much doomed. 
Yeah. Because he is such a good counselor. So now, all appearances now are that Absalom cannot be stopped. Even David's friend Hushai is with him. That's what it appears. Now, David's friend is actually still with David. Yes, he is. The bitter mind of Ahithophel, in spite of its brilliance, could easily be so lost in the darkness of its own desire that all it wants now is to hurt and humiliate King David. Okay, that's what Ahithophel is all about at this point, hurting and humiliating the king. All right, Joy, let's go back to your story. Um, you know, you talked about some initial impact of this, this fraud being revealed. What about further impact? What, what other kinds of things began to happen as a result of this? Yeah, you know, appearances can be deceiving. Even in this experience, uh, David's friend Hushai appears to have gone over to Absalom's side. Um, anyway, we had an experience, too, kind of, you know, appearance of things wasn't as it really was. This this whole situation and the fraud that was committed was in the newspapers, in many papers in our area. And some of the accounts were not entirely accurate. And we got wind of some of our employees very upset and some very angry, and they had their own accusations and ideas of what had happened, and they were blaming us, and they didn't understand the situation. And so now we had to deal with suspicion from our employees. And, you know, it's a very vulnerable feeling to have what has happened to you personally, even though it was our company, spread in the newspapers. And everybody, you know, people just become aware. It's like it's kind of a invasive thing that if it, I just felt personally kind of invaded so we ended up having a special meeting with our employees, and we tried to straighten out the situation. So you are vulnerable. You're out in public, and it's not your fault, but yet it's looking like it's your fault. And, and more reason to be bitter, right? Yeah, yeah, and I definitely. And it was like, this is nobody's business. How come this has to be in the papers? Well, that's how, <laughs> that's just how it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's not, you know... It's hard to have, again, personal matters made public like this. And, um, it, yeah, it created more of a challenge. It created more feelings to deal with and more frustration and anger. And so, again, this was a wave experience. Like I said, it was not an easy street to good attitude. Okay. Um, it, took a, it took a lot of... Uh, Going back to God over and over again, and and uh, and that's one of the keys, Jonathan, is repeatedly going back to to true north, if you will. That's right. Let, let's go back to the story of Absalom now, because here he's he's now you know ready to essentially crush David. And he's looking for a way to do it. Then Absalom said to Ahithophel, "Give us your counsel." Ah, okay, so here it comes now. What shall we do? Ahithophel said to Absalom, "Go into your father's concubines, the ones he has left." to look after the house, and all Israel will hear that you have made yourself odious to your father, and the hands of all who are with you will be strengthened. So basically, Ahithophel is telling Absalom, go and commit similar sins to the ones that I, Ahithophel, have grown so bitter about, so that you, Absalom, can stand so firmly against your father that he'll never be able to be reconciled to you. So you can see the deviousness yes, in, and a, evil. In, yeah. in, in, in the darkness in Ahithophel's mind and in his counsel. So they, and how bitterness blinds us, because we end up doing the very thing to the person that hurt us so much. Right. So, and and it never, it never ever heals anything when you do that ever. So, so here, here's what happens. So they pitched a tent for Absalom upon the roof, and Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all of Israel. Now, in those days, the counsel that Ahithophel gave was as if 
One counseled the oracle of God. So all the counsel of Ahithophel was esteemed, both by David and by Absalom. So they go and they pitch this tent, and, uh, and Absalom does exactly that. Ahithophel advises what ends up being a fulfillment of Nathan's prophecy. Remember from the that's first hour? That's right, that's right. So now, could it be that Ahithophel was there when Nathan prophesied, and that he harbored this punishment in his mind and was just waiting for a chance to see it come to pass? Now, God knew the bitterness that would be in Ahithophel's mind. God knew that Ahithophel would eventually bring him that direction, and it exposed who he truly was in this particular experience. Uh, one more scripture, Jonathan, then we'll go to the phones. Furthermore, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Please let me choose 12,000 men that I might arise and pursue David tonight. So Ahithophel, now he's an older guy, and he's saying, Let me take 12,000 men and I'll go after David. This is how bitter he has become. And I will come upon him while he is weary and exhausted and terrify him, so that all the people who are with him will flee. Then I will strike down the king alone, and I will bring back all the people to you. The return of everyone depends on the man you seek. Then all the people will be at peace, so that the plan pleased Absalom and all the elders of Israel. So bitterness leads not only to the breaking of loyalty, but to the rash decision to take matters into your own hands. And that's what Joy was just saying previous to this. You're taking matters into your own hands. Let's go to the phones, Jonathan. All right, we have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning, Joy. Good morning. You're, you're a lot to yawn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, it's quite quite a challenging topic, isn't it? Uh, yes. Not to not to be hurt, uh, not to have resentment, and uh, experience. There's no question that uh, experience is the best teacher here with any of us. Uh, to uh, the, the challenge is to learn to trust uh, God, to have peace through Him, and uh, let it be because uh, God is on our side. Uh, I, I recall, Rick, uh, you folks, you might recall years ago, there was the man that changed his name to uh, whatever his name was. He, he went, His new name was In God We Trust. Oh, I do remember <laughs> that, yeah. Remember? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in God We Trust. That is the whole thing in a nutshell. I, I, when we trust God, everything else will uh, be okay. Thank you. God bless. Thank you, Joyce. Appreciate your call. Okay, bye-bye. All right, so, so Julius gives us the answer, okay? Trust in God and everything's going to be okay. But here's the question. How do you get there when the circumstances that are surrounding you, just like with King David now, his greatest counselor is on the other side. His greatest counselor has become so bitter and so angry and so evil that he's saying... To, to Absalom, and he's an old guy, okay? Ahithophel is an old guy. He's not a warrior. He's a counselor, but he's saying, let me take 12,000 men. Let me hunt David down, and I will bring all the people back to you, and the throne will be yours. Is bitterness ruining your life? Give us a call, 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. All right, Jonathan, we've been going through some ingredients to deal with bitterness. Our third ingredient is what? What? Reign in anger and wrath. And the scripture? Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. All right, so Joy, in terms of this third ingredient, reigning in anger and wrath, you were angry. There's no question about it. And you were fighting, as you said, through bitterness. How, well, give us some thoughts on, on your dealing with those parts of, of this experience, especially now that, that it seems like the whole world knows about it and they're looking at you and your company as, as, as being the bad ones. Well, I need to say again, uh, this was not... Uh, immediate fix. 
It says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. I'm afraid that there were a number of days where I still had unresolved feelings in, inside my heart. However, I continually poured things out before God, and I kept trying to remember this illustration someone told me. Feelings are like the lights on a dashboard. They tell you what's going on. And instead of condemning my anger, which would be easy for me to do the way I look at things, um, <laughs> instead of condemning it and being upset that I'm so angry, I just, I, what I attempted to do was just kept bringing it before God um, and the, the, the Psalms are full of David pouring his heart out with all kinds of feelings. Um, and it's a real example. And I think this is part of being angry and not sinning. We, we have to be authentic. We have to be honest with what, where we are and realize God understands, but we don't want to get stuck there. So it was really, really realizing the need to not only grapple with the impact of the wrong that was done to me and what this other person did, but to deal with the impact of what that was, what my thoughts were creating in my own heart, and that was as big, if not bigger, an issue. So, and, and I think that's one of the things that, folks, we have to understand about bitterness. It's, okay, something's been done to us, but the bigger, the larger issue is, okay, based on that, what am I doing to myself? How am I hurting myself because of what somebody else did? This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, Joy, and our subject is Bitterness Ruining Your Life. Can bitterness bring us to such despair that we could do gross violence to others? Or can it bring us to even suicide? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, Joy Thompson, Rick's sister from Montana. and our sub- My older sister. Oh, that's right. And our subject <laughs> is bitterness ruining your life. To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com and go to our website and check out CQ Rewind. You want to go there? You want to check out CQ Rewind, the full edition? You want to sign up for that? It's a free service. It's a uh, an email you get each week with a with a link that provides you a transcript of much of the commentary on the program from the week before. It gives you scriptures and illustrations and graphics and bonus it, material, things we don't even have time to cover on the subject. And there's plenty we're not covering today. I'll tell <laughs> you right. that. Uh, and, and it just makes the program come alive. And folks, again, it's a free service. There is no obligation. If you decide you don't like it, you can. Opt out with a click of a button. Seeker Rewind, the full edition, is only available at ChristianQuestions.com. Go there. Please check it out. Try it. You're going to like it. So, Jonathan, here we are. We've got these two stories going. We've got the story of Ahithophel, King David's counselor who, who uh, jumped ship. That's right. Who's very bitter against David and has now just suggested to, King, to, to Absalom, who wants to take the throne, let me, Ahithophel, who's not even a soldier. Take 12,000 men and go get him. That's right. Let me go. Do, that's how bitter he has become. And in Joy's story, their accountant had embezzled, oh, $350,000 or so from, from their company. There's this federal secret 
Secret Service investigation going on. The word gets out in the newspapers, and their company is now looking like it's not being right. It's not being reported well, and so she's got this 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 issue of this growing bitterness. They didn't do anything wrong, and the employees themselves weren't trusting the because company. Because they're reading what they're, what they're reading and it doesn't look good. So you've got all of these things to balance and bitterness has a way of taking hold of these things and just growing and growing. So let's go back, before we go back to Joyce's story, let's go back to the story of Ahithophel. Absalom hears the counsel of Ahithophel and uh, he, he liked it. So he, here's what happens next. Then Abs- Absalom said, Now call Hushai. Remember the, that was King David's friend. The archite also. And let us hear what he has to say. When Hushai came to Absalom, Absalom said to him, Ahithophel has spoken thus. Shall we carry out his plan? If not, you speak. So, remember, Hushai is there, but he's there on behalf of King David. He's pretending to be a friend of Absalom. So Hushai said to Absalom, This time the advice that Ahithophel has given is not good. Moreover, Hushai said, You know your father and his men. And they are mighty men, and they are fierce, like a bear, robbed of her cubs in the field. Your father is an expert in warfare, and will not spend the night with the people. Behold, he has now hidden himself in one of the caves or in another place, and it will be when he falls on them at the first attack, that whoever hears of it will say, There has been a slaughter among the people who follow Absalom. So Hushai is basically saying, if you do this, you're going to get slaughtered. Right. He's Don't saying, do it. Don't do it. David, we know, is a very fierce warrior. So loyalty to God's anointed speaks out against the bitterness toward God's anointed. Interesting uh, contrast here. So Hushai now continues by painting an irresistible picture of glory in battle. Mm-hmm. Let, let, let's hear what he says next. But I counsel that all Israel... Be- be surely gathered to you from Dan even to Beersheba as the sand that is by the sea in abundance and that you personally go into battle. So we shall come to him in one of the places where he can be found and we will fall on him as the dew falls on the ground and of him of all the men who are with him, not even one will be left. So Hushai understands ego and he's painting this ego picture of don't send Ahithophel with 12,000 men. You go. You gather everyone. With everyone. And yeah. you, we will fall upon David like the dew upon grass. We will c- overwhelm him. We will cover him. And that is how you can win your victory. Then Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The counsel of Hushai, the archite, is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. So this would be a dramatic change because basically Ahithophel, in his tenure as wise counselor to David, had seemingly had never been wrong. We don't have any account of his ever being wrong. We have an account of David saying to Hushai, please go to Absalom, pretend you're in his camp because I'm afraid of the counsel of Ahithophel. So was the counsel of Ahithophel better, truly better than what was just suggested? And that's the point. Ahithophel probably had it right again. And his strategy, it was a good strategy to end David's life. But we see that God still did stand with David. Why? In spite of all David's sins, he always truly sought the will of God and repented mightily and publicly for those sins. So there's a great lesson here of making mistakes, of having difficulties, and, and coming clean, so to speak, and putting it all in perspective. 
That's exactly what King David did. You're listening to Christian Questions. Our subject is bitterness ruining your life. If you have a thought, give us a call, 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. All right, so... Let's go back to Joy's story. And Joy, so this investigation goes on, uh, this federal investigation of this, this accountant who embezzled all this money from your, your family business. Um, and, and then it basically comes to a, to a head. What happens? Yes. Well, um, I, was, I had the option of going to the sentencing. And, you know, it, it just impresses me how the Lord... He ordained to thwart the good counsel of Ahithophel, and the Lord intervened in our experience also for good. And this sentencing, thinking of attending this sentencing, I didn't have to go, but I kept thinking about it, and I just kept feeling compelled that there's a, I need to go to this for some reason. All right, now, were, you, were you at any of the other previous proceedings with this? No, no. no. Okay, so you... No, this you, was the only one. And I already had... Uh, sent a victim impact statement that I wrote. So it's like everyone knew already, but I just kept feeling compelled that there's a reason I needed to go. So I didn't want to go. I already wrote the impact statement, but I went anyway. So, so and, the, okay, let me, let me interrupt you again, because I want to make sure that the, the story is, is clear. How long from the first phone call you got from the Secret Service agent that this guy embezzled all this money from your family business to this point where you're going to this final sentencing, how, how long a period of time had elapsed? I believe it was a year and a half or so. Okay. Uh, a year and a half to two years. I'm not. I'm not totally clear on that. Okay. So somewhere between. It was a long period of time. Okay. So so for all of that period of time, then you're on this roller coaster of wrestling with the feelings and frustration, the bitterness and the anger, versus trying to apply Christian principles, right? And, and Absolutely. So, so was there at some point when, when you're going through all of that, when are you beginning to, to really, in your own mind, put it in perspective? Did it take you a month? Did it take you a year? Did it take you 15 months? I, do you have a sense of when, when godly perspectives to started, started winning out? Um, it was, again, it was an up and down process. I would have times when I felt like, okay, I got it now. God's in control. And there's a reason for this. And, and then, uh, you know, again, impacts would happen, and I would feel, again, an over, like a wave of um, discontent and anger, um, resentment, whatever. Um, so it was just not a, uh, a simple journey. Okay. <laughs> it had its ups and downs all along the way. Okay. So now you go to the sentencing, and you're, you give your impact statement. What is it that you say... Uh, as a victim, what is it that you say at the sentencing? Uh, it was very emotional for me. Um, I I related the kind of business that we have, the fact that you know we've made mistakes in our lives, and any time that we have, we do the best we can to make amends and to uh, live in integrity and make things right. Um, I talked about you know the the small beginnings of our of our family business, where we got to, um, the shock of this whole thing happening, um, and then the impacts between just grappling with someone we trusted, the betrayal. Uh, I talked about uh, the employees, the newspaper article, you know, kind of what I've laid out in this 
in this story. Um, the financial difficulty because of the time, it was at the time when the uh, economy was having an impact on our company. And then I talked about what we wanted from our accountant. And he was there in the audience and his wife was there. Okay, so this, is, this is it. This is the big thing. What, what, as the victim, what do you want from him? Um, I explained that we wanted to make sure that he never, ever did anything like this again that we wanted him to pass back, we wanted him to make amends, and that we wanted him to be the person of integrity that he really, I believe, was and is in his heart. Um, I heard about some things in his past at this uh, hearing, and it made me really... <laughs> he, he got lost in his life. And um, and I just said I want I want you to be able to stand before your creator. I want you to be able to uh, live your life in an honorable way, that in a way of integrity. And that was our that was our greatest desire, actually. So what you're saying is you don't want him to to suffer to to uh, uh, to, to to have this this massive consequence upon his head because of the pain. What you're saying is your observation of his life and the things you had heard was that he just simply he got lost and you knew he was better than that and you wanted to be paid back and you wanted assurances that he would never do it again and you wanted him to get back to being a person of great integrity. That's the bottom line. Yes, and he had huge consequences. Um, the pain he's caused his family, the pain he's caused his wife, he spoke about that at this hearing. And I, I trusted God to overrule whatever other consequences were necessary. I didn't feel like I needed to be the one to orchestrate them. Right. I just spoke for, we do want our money back. <laughs> okay, all right. So, so now you, you give this impact statement. What does the judge say? You know, the judge, after I finished my statement and sat down, he... He said, I am deeply and profoundly moved by what Ms. Thompson has said. And that shocked me that he said that. So, basically, what you said was very different than a typical victim. Because you, 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 yeah. you, you, were, you were reacting in the best interest of the perpetrator. Yes, and and I I thought at first I thought well he must be trying to make me feel better, <laughs> but I had both lawyers come up to me, both the defense attorney and the prosecuting attorney afterwards, and the prosecuting attorney said in all of the eight years he has sat in this court he has never heard the judge say anything like that, and I thought oh maybe this is a real statement then. <laughs> <laughs> so so there's so so Jonathan the, the story here is is giving us a profound twist on dealing with bitterness. And saying that if you can get to the point where you truly want the best interest of the person who perpetrated the evil and the darkness and, and, the, and the misery, uh, in your heart, bitterness has no place to live anymore. Don't pay back evil with evil. Exactly. And, and, and that's what, what Joy was able to come to. Now, again, it was a roller coaster ride. It wasn't just a simple straight, straight shot to get there. And, and so, so, Joy, we're going to come back to your story in, in, in a little bit. But w let's go back to the story about... Um, about uh, King David, uh, remember now, he, uh, his, his friend Hushai gives Absalom different advice than the great counselor Ahithophel. And so what happens? Hushai now comes and warns David, right? He comes back in Second Samuel 17, and he warns David through other people that, you know, here's, here's what's coming, here's what's happening. So 
David now is actually going to have an upper hand. Because he knows what the plan is. Right. And because Ahithophel's counsel was not heeded. Yes. Okay, now, and because he, he, even in his, he had great wisdom, but he was misapplying the great wisdom for evil. God overruled the experience so that his misapplication of great wisdom for evil would not carry through in this circumstance. And that brings us to the fourth ingredient in dealing with bitterness. What is that, Jonathan? To not continue in habits of life that damage Rather, replace them with activities of life that contribute. And the scripture is Ephesians 4.28. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. And, Joy, that sounds, you know, when I put these scriptures together, I mean, I didn't have your story in mind, but that scripture sure, sure sounds like it fits your story. Yeah, it does. <laughs> we don't want this to happen again. <laughs> well, and, and, and that ends up being the bottom line. And, folks, that is one of the bottom line experiences in dealing with bitterness is how do we put ourselves in a position of making sure that we are um, looking for the best end result for everybody involved. Bitterness says, I don't care about a best end result. I care about feeling better. That doesn't get you anywhere. The, That's the, selfishness, right, isn't it? The, the principle is what's the best end result, what's just, and what is full of integrity and godliness as we deal with these tragic difficulties in our lives. And the point is it can happen if we apply ourselves. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, Joy Thompson. Our subject is bitterness ruining your life. How does Joy's story end? Will there be will they rise above or will bitterness affect their lives and family forever? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back to Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest Joy Thompson. Rick's older sister from Montana. <laughs> older and wiser, I might add. <laughs> and our, our subject oh <laughs> our subject is, is bitterness ruining your life? And if you have a thought, give us a call at 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. She is older and wiser, but she's not taller. Oh, okay, good. I was wondering when you were going to bring that up. <laughs> he always does. Well, there's not a lot of people that I'm taller than, so when uh, you have one, I have to really pounce, you know. Uh, Joy, you, you had mentioned during the break uh, that you had, you had a, a thought based on that fourth ingredient of do not continue in the habits of life that damage, rather replace them with activities of life that contribute. Yeah, it just strikes me that, at least in this experience for me, one of the activities of life that really did uh, make a difference is giving this impact statement and being present at this hearing, at the sentencing, because the impact statement included the honest truth about the difficulty that we went through as a result of what this accountant did, and it included the attitude and the desire for God's highest good in healing to happen for this accountant and his family in God's time and way. And the combination, it's like you're being authentic and honest, and you're not denying. I was not denying the impact and what was happening and glossing over it. And at the same time, these 
people and their lives and what was in their hearts was a very important issue also. And I, to have that combination, I think, is a very powerful activity. But it's not an easy place to get to. It is not, no. It took a lot of time and up-and-down experiences. All right, all right, and we're going to come back to that so, so, so for the finale, if you will, in just a few minutes. Uh, let's go back to the story of Ahithophel, Jonathan. Let's let's wrap up what happens to Ahithophel. Let's remember that Ahithophel, who would have been, who would have seen the sins of David, obviously, because he was the grandfather of Bathsheba. He would have seen the revealing of those sins because he was his counselor. He would have known Nathan had come to him, and he would have seen the pure humility of David's repentance for those sins, and yet. Ahithophel chose not to believe in any of that. He chose not to believe in the repentance of David, which was genuine and true. Rather, Ahithophel harbored and fed his bitterness until it entirely consumed him. And now, he's on the other side. He's on the side of Absalom, who's trying to take the throne. His counsel is not heeded, and now he knows. That's the first time Yes, his counsel wasn't heeded. And he knows that because his counsel is not heeded, all would be lost. He knows it. So what does he do? 2 Samuel 17.23. Now when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his donkey and arose and went to his home, to his city, and set his house in order, and strangled himself. Thus he died and was buried in the grave of his father. That's dramatic. You have the tragic loss of what was once a wise and mighty counselor to the throne of Israel. That's what you. That's the result of bitterness. If it doesn't kill you literally, it's going to kill you figuratively. Wow. Yeah, this Rick, this is so powerful to me. I read these words and I shake a little bit inside because I could have been strangled by this and other experiences I've had in life. Um, and it really, that's bitterness sucks the life out of you, and it makes it so you can't breathe in. You know the life giving blessings that God has. I mean, it completely sabotages spiritual growth and spiritual life. And it just it's so powerful. We can be strangled. I could have been strangled by this. And so what we have then, Jonathan, as we, as we look at this story, these two stories, you know, these parallel... And isn't it amazing how they parallel they each They really other? do. Uh, how one ends up in a very deep and tragic loss because Ahithophel could not would not see the signs of repentance in David and would not see that David had made mistakes and was deeply repentant. And remember, his repentance was public. Yes. And, and, and so he ends up taking his own life. Because he was consumed with bitterness. And, and then on the other side, we have the story, Joy's story, where they, they come to a point of saying, you know what, let's put this in perspective. Let's want the best for everybody. The man did bad to us, but it wasn't bad from the standpoint of we can't recover from it. Let, uh, he is suffering many, many consequences. Let us, let us look for the best in his life as well. And that brings us to the fifth ingredient in, in, in dealing with bitterness, and that is the test of our words. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth truly does speak. If, uh, Ephesians 4.29 Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Okay, so make sure that what you speak and how you speak is for the purpose of building up. And bitterness has no intention to build up. Bitterness's only intention is to break down and to dismantle and to destroy. There's no good. There's no value in that. Um, Joy, any thoughts on on that before we go on to just the the end of the David Absalom uh, Ahithophel story? 
Yeah, our words are definitely an index of what's in our heart. And, you know, our words will tell us when we have not overcome bitterness. And so they're also a good barometer. Uh, Just listen to ourselves and we'll hear it. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, it's not only your words, but it's what you say when you talk to yourself as well. That's right. You know that little voice inside your head? Sometimes in my head it's a really big voice. (laughs) Pretty loud. It can be pretty loud even though no one else hears it. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and that is, and that voice, that little voice in our head is the root of bitterness. That's where it starts. It's what we're saying to ourselves. And then it can become, like in Hebrews 12, it talks about the root of bitterness that eventually defiles. Eventually, it starts out secret and it comes out blatantly obvious as time goes on. All right, um, Jonathan. Let's actually let's go to the phones. All right. Well, we have Randall from Connecticut. Good morning, Randall, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Happy Sunday to you too. We have Proverbs twenty six twenty seven. He who digs a pit falls into it, <laughs> and a stone comes back upon him who rolls it. Bitterness, justified or not, crushes those who live it. In contrast, there is another translation from the Aramaic of the famous Mercy Beatitude. Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are they who from their inner wombs birth mercy. They shall feel its warm arms embrace them. What this warns us is that what we hold inside, we produce. But it also gives us hope that if we find the smallest spark of mercy inside us and nurture it, it will grow. Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Randall, thanks so much. We appreciate it. God bless you guys. You too. Take care. I love that first scripture. You know, basically, he who digs a hole is going to fall into it. That's what, mer- that's what mercy is. Mercy is a great big hole in our lives. Uh, not mercy, bitterness. Bitterness is a great big hole in our lives, and we're digging it because we're angry, we're frustrated, we're mad at somebody who's done some kind of evil to us. And we're digging it, and we're digging it, and we're... Get them and they deserve it. And then you fall in. <laughs> yeah, then you're trapped. And you're you, falling in. You end up living in this stupid yes. hole of bitterness. And, exactly. And, and, and what 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 value is there? L- let's finish up the story of, of David and Ahithophel. Now, Ahithophel just committed suicide, okay? He just ended his own life. So David now and Absalom are preparing for war. Uh, in 2 Samuel 17, 24. Then David came to Manaheim, and Absalom crossed the Jordan, he and all the men of Israel with him. Okay, so they're, they're, they're positioning themselves for war. So it's to be a literal all-out battle against your own son. I mean, here's the thing. It's against your own son. And you think, well, wh- where's the, what part does bitterness play in, in, in David's life here? And he, now, obviously, Ahithophel um, is, is off, the, uh, off the scene. Yep. But now he's still going to be having to fight his own son. Here's what he says in 2 Samuel 18.5. The king charged Joab and Abishai and Ataiah, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king charged all the commanders concerning Absalom. So David's response to his son lining up for battle against him to take his throne and to essentially take his life is what? Go deal, get him. Deal gently with him. Is it is it drag him by the scruff of his neck to me so I can judge him? No. It's deal gently with him. 
And, and, and to me, that, that just seems to, to, to see, I mean, you see this lack of bitterness on the part of David because he truly loves his son, but he's still prepared for war. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so he's still doing what he needs to do, but he's trying to do it in as compassionate a way as possible. So, so Joy, we've got about maybe three or four minutes left here. Uh, let's conclude your story. W- major lessons, your, your final impressions of the experience that you had over that, that two-year period of time. Well, I could have strangled myself with bitterness, but the Lord gave me a final crowning experience after the sentencing. Um, And the sentencing, there was five years of supervisory probation. Um, And I was totally fine with that because the Lord had worked through. We had worked together in partnership, the Lord and I, on all of this. And the thing that really impressed me was after all of this was over, I went up to um, the accountant's wife, and she looked at me and she said, I am so sorry that you have gone through all of this. And there were tears in our, both of our eyes. And I told her, I said, I appreciate that. We don't want your husband to ever do this again. I restated our position. But I said, and I am praying for the highest good and healing for you and your husband and your family in God's time and way. And we struck up a conversation. Uh, we embraced we I got her address, and we are, have written to each other a couple of times, and I am totally, totally grateful that this experience, I would have cheated myself of the great joy of building a bridge between her and I, communicating and having the privilege of encouraging her with, you know, whatever God moves me to send her, and that would have totally not even been possible if this whole process hadn't happened of dealing through bitterness. So that is such a dramatic difference from the ending of Ahithophel and and putting yourself in a position where you can actually uh, contribute to the well-being of those around the ones that have done wrong to you. I mean, what a grand and glorious experience that is. Uh, Bitterness that's long-lasting can only uh, be... That way, if we choose to give it the space in our hearts to settle, feed it by repeating the hurt we experienced in the past and over and over again in the present and cherish it by placing our future in its hands. So, you know, we can take the past, we can bring it to the present and feed it, and then we can cherish it, and that means it it owns our future as well. And, And Joy, fortunately, for your sake and those around you, you did not do that. Oh, what a what a loss I would have had! It, how much it would have sabotaged the blessings God had in store. And and now here's the thing: I want to get to a. Um, we're going to go back to that scripture in a second, Jonathan. I just want to make sure we get this final thought in because think about this, folks. Think about this from the story of Ahithophel. Remember who he was. He was the grandfather of Bathsheba. Had Ahithophel not given in to the base bitterness in his own heart, he may have lived to see his great grandson Solomon rise to the throne in Israel, and be hailed as the wisest man in all the earth. Wow. That's what he lost. So you have bitterness versus blessing. If you dig the hole of bitterness and you fall into the hole, which you ultimately will, you are not able to reach out and grab the blessing that's available to you. Uh, Hebrews 12.15, a final scripture, and then Joy, we're going to ask you for your final thoughts. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness spring up causing trouble. And by it may be defiled. So many can be defiled because of bitterness. 
and if you allow the root of bitterness to spring up and blossom, there you have many being defiled. Joy, thanks for being with us. I mean, an unbelievable story that really Thank makes you, the Joy. point. Your, your final thoughts. Yes, um, uh, it's an honor to be here on this program. And yes, I think about the consequences of choosing bitterness and what I would have missed if I did. And I, it just is overwhelming. I, I would have, I could have strangled myself with it. Um, but I was given the privilege of really desiring the highest good and healing in God's time and way for the accountant, his wife, his family. I had the opportunity to express that, um, the opportunity that God gave to make a connection with, um, with the accountant's wonderful wife. Uh, and, peace in my own heart and uh, there is just no there's no price that could be paid the, the, the price of bitterness is just too expensive and it is just not worth it Joy again thanks so much we really appreciate your willingness to share such a deep and, and hard experience in your life thanks again uh, folks look we have a choice. Bitterness takes no courage. It just takes reaction. That's all bitterness takes. It takes courage to look bitterness in the eye and say, wait a minute, you will not rule my life because there's something bigger, there's something higher, there's something stronger, and there's something healthier that I can choose above and beyond bitterness. The scriptures give us plenty to work with in terms of real life stories as well as principles to follow so we can live a life where bitterness is simply a distant memory that we can learn from and grow from. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. We hope you've enjoyed being with us today. We certainly have enjoyed being with you, uh, talking to you about a very important topic. Until next week, bitterness ruining your life? Think about it.